soon and very soon. Um, would you stand with me, please, one more time this morning? So, so glad to have each and every one of you with us today. My name is Michael. I'm the lead pastor here at Victory. It's a privilege to have you for your guest today. We realize there are a lot of great churches in West Memphis, Marion. You could have chosen to go and worship and fellowship with. You've chosen Victory today, and we are honored that you would be here with us. Uh, this morning, I just want to say to you, uh, if you are a smartphone person, you can tune into that particular URL right there. I say tune in, that's a radio channel, but just go ahead and type that in. And that will link you up to all the notes, everything that we're doing here uh, in the service this morning, and it's already inside your version app. I want you to do something today a little bit different that we haven't done before. Take a minute, turn around right where you are, tell two or three people, hey, I'm Michael, I'm glad that you're here today. So, don't sound. <laughs> 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 and we did that earlier. We didn't do this forever. You know what it was? It was getting out of hand. Everybody learns that money. He just caught it. It'd be 15 minutes. He just caught it. So great to be with you in the house of the Lord together. We we love Jesus here. We love you. We can feel that in this room. It's the the joy of the Lord and just the grace of God moving in this congregation. Find a screen, if you would please, this morning as we step into the text for our message. This series is called On His Mark, and our text is found in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. And so find a screen and read this heartily with me, if you would please. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. Let's bow our hearts together. Gracious, mighty God, thank you for your presence in this place this morning. Thank you for just touching us in indescribable ways, Lord, in the worship. Thank you that you are God, and truly we do trade our sorrows for joy, trade our sickness, all the shame, all the guilt of sin. Thank you for peace and acceptance. You were bruised, Lord, you were beaten so that we could be made whole. You were rejected so we could be accepted. Jesus, thank you that you took our place and you nailed every accusing uh, thing of the ordinances of the law to the cross and it's been covered by the blood of Jesus and the debt is paid. We are overwhelmed having been set free from the prison of sin, the penalty of death. We thank you, Jesus, for your gift to us. This gospel is incredible. It's amazing. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do in this place. I confess before you and every person under the sound of my hearing that I, I understand my voice that I cannot do anything apart from you. But I thank you, Jesus, that you get in the words and you literally, like a tapestry, weave in and out in the hearts of the individual people in this room. You speak to circumstances for which no one else has knowledge except you, Almighty God. Thank you that you bring healing and you bring restoration. You bring correction and adjustment, Lord, to any of our hearts where it's needed. We submit them to you. Thank you, Lord, that as we lift you up, we're careful to give you all the praise. It's in the strong name of Jesus that we pray and all of God's people said. Amen. May be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. Hello, my name is Michael. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> uh, didn't know you're coming to church and everybody else's name is Michael. Uh, we started this new series called On His Mark. And we have already kind of laid out what's going on in the gospel. You will hear this phrase over and over and over again. 
over probably the next 10 or 11 months. Take us, I've projected about a year or a little under to get through Mark. And we're doing it verse by verse. This is called an expositional study. Expositional is kind of a $100 Bible preaching homiletic term. It, if you can see the word expose in it, everybody say expose. So what we're doing is trying to uncover, uh, sort of pull the top off, uh, help show some of the details regarding the gospel. The gospel is the euangelion. It is the good news. It is the history-making, life-changing good news of Jesus Christ. Mark wrote the very first one that came to us in history. It's from the eyewitness account of the Apostle Peter. We left off last Sunday with Jesus having already been baptized by John. John's already been preaching. Jesus goes to the wilderness to be tempted, and he starts preaching his first message. That's where we're going to connect today to where we left off last week. That's all I'll ever do is just take the last big idea and then bring it right into what we're doing in every one of these lessons. The title of the message today is called Kingdom Here and Now because that's the first thing Jesus uttered out of his mouth. The time is at hand. The time is fulfilled. So this morning, if we look today to Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, I'd like you to see that. This sort of picks up on the B section of 114. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. That's that history-making, life-changing good news. And he's saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Faithful Jews had been for centuries, yea, even millennia, looking for the fulfillment of the promise of God's kingdom. Not just to have a faithful king on the throne of Israel, but the coming of a Messiah. Hebrew word, the anointed one. And so Jesus comes and he is declaring without any sense of apology whatsoever, and he says the time is fulfilled. It's here, folks. It's not anymore a one of these days proposition. It's right here now. Reach out, grab a hold of it, Take hold of it. He says the time is fulfilled. It's now. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is now. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent is the Greek word metanoia. It means to change your thinking. Noia is the Greek word for mind. So change your mind. Change your idea about this thing. Something new has just shown up. Change your mind. Repent. Repentance is not the Bible belt. Go to an altar and have an outrageous emotional experience, that could be a part of it. Repentance sometimes is so dramatic in the lives of some people that it may initially involve the sharing of dramatic emotions. But really down to the root of what this word means, it means change your mind about it. You know something, until you've changed your mind, you can have all kinds of emotional expression, but until you've changed your thinking about something, your behavior doesn't have a chance to follow. It happens here first, and then it begins to flesh out in our lives. So Jesus says, change your mind about the kingdom. This is not something you earn or deserve or work for, but it's at hand. It's within your grasp. You can reach out and take hold of it. Kingdom is the rule. Greek word basileia. It is the rule or the government of God. Where Jesus Christ is Lord, there is the kingdom. Kingdom of God is in my heart because Jesus is Lord in my heart. The kingdom of God is in a home when Jesus is the center of a home. 
kingdom of God is advanced in an area when a local church grasps the understanding of this life-giving message of what we refer to as the gospel of God. And we're able to reach out in service projects and share in compassion and love with our finances and with our talent and our time. And, and, and by making investments into people who may have different areas of needs where we have the ability to minister to them. When we do that, the kingdom of God has just been advanced because people see a different face on Christianity than just some kind of a, a religious, uh, narrow-minded, legalistic kind of a, of a mindset, which a lot of times dominates the thinking in the Bible Belt. A lot of churches that you can go to, and I'm not throwing stones. We, we, let me just tell you, we're not a perfect church. If you're looking for one, don't come here by me, because let me tell you, the pastor's not a perfect pastor, and nobody in the pew is a, is a perfect pew sitter. Everybody in this room is in process. That is not an excuse. That is not an excuse for us to remain the way we are because we say it over and over again, Jesus loves you just like you are, but He loves you too much to leave you there. He's growing you. He's maturing you. He's changing you. He's transforming you. And repentance is always a password into the kingdom of God. You want to get in? What's the password for the kingdom? Repent. Change your mind. Change your thinking about this. God's doing a new thing. It's not the same way it's always been. It's within your reach. It's not one of these days for a different people in a different time. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is now. It's available. Repent and believe in the gospel. This history-making, life-changing news about the kingdom. The king has shown up. He says, I'm here. Time is fulfilled. So Jesus preaches that message. It's, 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 it's a, it's a multiple-verse song which the chorus over and over says it's here it's available within your grasp within your reach repent and believe the gospel is jesus steps out to begin to draw into his ministry some partners i want you to notice this morning how he gets those recruits involved as we look first of all to the passage of scripture found in mark chapter 1 verses 16 through 20 the Bible says, passing along the Sea of Galilee, or passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon. Everybody say Peter. Peter. Jesus is going to rename him. Rename. He's going to rename him. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't, that just kind of slipped. You know, I, 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 I got a little bit of James Brown in me, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Well, the rest of this message will be in tongues. You'll have to get an interpretation. <laughs> Simon and Andrew, I tell you what, just have a good time. That's what victory is about. We don't, we're not pretentious. If, if you know, if you if you're gonna make, if you're gonna take a bath, you're gonna make some hot water. Just go ahead and take a bath, and it's what I believe in doing. Have a good time. Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, "Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men." And immediately, everybody say immediately. immediately. Notice that because as you read through Mark, you're going to see all these action words. I mean, it's like boom, right out of one thing into another. It's not this big lull or time wait. There's not like pause and just sitting around waiting. It's boom, immediately, and they're, they're over here doing something different. Mark is the action gospel. And immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Going a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and with the hired servants and followed him. Now, this morning, what I want you to see briefly, and first of all, 
is that the call is to follow Jesus. It's not to follow a dream. It's not to follow an idea. Jesus is not the means to your end. As a matter of fact, He will not let me or you look at Him in those terms. The goal of the whole thing, Jesus is the means and He is the end, all of that put together. The call is not to follow a program. It's not to, to follow a particular set of ideas, but it's the call to follow Jesus. And it is an ex it's the extension of a, of, a, of a recruitment, a request, an invitation that religious leaders would do during that day when they would gather disciples to come with them. And literally, it's actually requesting, come after me. Come, come behind me and walk with me. And that means that wherever the teacher goes, he's in the marketplace and he's trading with people and he's buying and selling products uh, you know, to be able to make the meal that night or whatever. <laughs> then the disciples who are followers of Jesus are right there beside him, watching how he interacts with those people in the marketplace, learning how he answers the questions that are going to be posed to him. They're, they're being trained under him. This is what the word disciple means. Everybody say disciple. So that's the whole concept, is that we're in stride, we're taking steps, we're walking with Jesus, and that means sometimes His pace is picked up, sometimes He's slowing down, because Jesus has a way to have His attention grasped many times by some of the most unassuming people, and it's not the people, but it's the faith in the hearts of those people that draws Him and gets His attention. And So as the disciples begin to learn to follow Him and walk with Him, in this initial invitation, they have to throw down what they're doing and get up and follow Him. Now, we've been learning different methods on our Thursday night Bible study from Dr. Rick Warren in the 40 Days of the Word. I encourage you to come and get involved in that with us this Thursday night at 6.30. If you don't have a workbook, we'll give you one. We still have plenty. Great opportunity to dig in and really sort of yourself see how you can open the Bible and begin to draw out truth that not only informs you, but will inspire you. And in that process, the end to that is so that it transforms you. So we look to the Word, and, and we've already learned the, the pronounce it method, where we take a verse and we sort of you know, break it down. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That pronounce it method we learned the first week with Dr. Rick Warren, where we emphasize the word, and taking that one word and emphasizing it shows us sometimes truth that we might have missed if we just go over the verse and we don't put an emphasis on anything. It's like taking a diamond and turning it around in the light, and you're seeing the various, uh, the, the multifacets of the prism that you're seeing inside that diamond. And so we're taking a scripture that way, and this morning as we do that, we're looking at this passage of Scripture, and I want you to think about the next week in the, the series that we're doing on Thursday night. Dr. Warren talked about the picture it method, where you put yourself in the place of those people that are actually living that circumstance. Think with me if you would. We've got two fishing businesses here. We've got Simon and Andrew in a fishing business. Now, uh, we've got two other brothers down here, and Daddy's still alive. It's Zebedee and the Sons Incorporated. Uh, Jesus later is going to give them the surname Boanerges, which means thunder. They're sons of thunder. Now, I, I think these boys were a little bit of trouble with the capital T. Once in a while, they get aggravated, and they'd open up a can on some folks. And I'll leave that alone. 
But later in the scripture, sons of thunder is what Jesus called James and John, the sons of Zebedee. So Zebedee, oh Zeb, is down there in the boat and he's got his boys and he's proud and he, God knows they've been thunderous young men and they've grown up, but he's finally got them settled down. They're, he's ready to pass on the business to them. They're sitting down there in the boat and he's got them mending nets. Now that's, that, is, that is a huge accomplishment on its own. Because you got these two boys down there that are ready to go, just run out, and, and they finally sit down, and they, they, they're mending their nets, and all of a sudden, some strange guy comes along and just says, follow me, and his two boys that have been doing pretty good lately, get up out the boat and leave him, leave him sitting there by himself, dead in hand. Can you imagine what Zeb was thinking? Now wait, hey, 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 hang on just a minute here now. I want to know what's going on, where are you going, when are you going to be back, because we got to catch. we got to go catch some fish. Because Red Lobster Israel wants a, they want they want some fish. We gotta sell something. And so they're down there, and all of a sudden here comes Jesus. Jesus says, Follow me. He sees Simon and Andrew, he sees James and John, and both of these two sets of brothers get up and leave fishing businesses. I mean, this is this is not Bubba Gump and and, and Forrest. But I'd imagine there were some similarities there. Now Realize with me, these are not poorest of the poor folks because they've got a boat. I don't believe that they had a fleet the way some of the prosperity TV preachers would make us think about Peter being a very, very wealthy, well-to-do businessman. I think he was making a good living. I think he had to show up to work every day and work. His hands showed it. His, his mouth was the characteristic of a salty fisherman. James and John, sons of thunder. We already see that. But something happens when this guy comes along, this, this different teacher who just walks up one day out there by the wharf, by the boat dock, and he says, follow me, come after me, get behind me, get in stride with me, start taking steps with me, walk with me, see how I live, see how I conduct life, see how I do business. And in the process, these guys actually get up and leave their boats, leave their nets lying there. Now, I don't believe that that was something that they walked away from and never came back to. As a matter of fact, we see them multiple times in the boat crossing the Sea of Galilee. Jesus comes in the middle of the night in the storm, calms, speaks to the weather, all these things. They're in the boat regularly. So the, 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 the whole issue is that Jesus is not calling them to entirely forsake their business, but he's inviting them to come with him so they will invite him to get into the boat with them. Jesus wants to get involved in the daily aspects of your life. He wants you to invite him into your job and into your home and into your family and into your school and into your relationships and into your hobbies and the things that you love to do and the things you dream about. He wants to walk with you as you learn how to follow him. Come get behind him. Get in stride with him. Sometimes once, I don't shop like I used to. Once in a while I go to the mall and I see young dads out here with little toddlers that are two or three years old that are just learning how to walk. And dad's just taking his big old strides and the little baby's just... <laughs> it's like 400 steps for dad's two big strides and just dragging that child. <laughs> I, I wonder sometimes if in our walking with Jesus, if he's not having to really slow down because we're taking these little baby steps. He says, come and get behind me. Come after me. If you read the King James, it says it that way. Come after me, and I will make you to be fishers of men. Follow me, the ESV says. It literally means to come get in stride with me. Get in step with me. You know that if you walk along with someone, 
It took me years. Because I just, I'm in a hurry, I'm excited. I, I go somewhere, and before I would know it, we'd be at the mall together, and I'd be four steps in front of Dawn, and she would go. <coughs> and she would just stop. She would say, I'm not called to walk behind you. I'm called to walk beside you. And I said, baby, I'm sorry, I will slow down. And so I'm doing like this, and she's still going. <laughs> And if you think about it, that's the way we are. Our all more mature folks have longer legs and we have a bigger stride and we can step out in faith and take hold of something in the promise of God in an easier manner. But if we're going to disciple someone, they're going to walk with us. Sometimes we have to slow our pace down and allow them to walk and teach them how to take those next steps of faith. Come on, somebody say amen this morning. That's what Jesus does. He's willing to slow down with us in the very same way that a loving father sees a little toddler that's learning how to take its first steps. Some of you this morning are sitting here literally under a cloud of condemnation because of a, of a commitment to Christ that you've made and a struggle that you're having and you know that you've gotten up and taken a few steps and you've fallen flat on your behind. And you've had to confess your sin before the Lord. And what I want to tell you is you have a heavenly Father who loves you so much, but He's going to stay with you until you can learn to stand up on your feet and you can walk. And just because you slip down, he's not, he's not ready to take out the rod and bring punishment. It's not a God who's angry. Come on, I want you to hear this. We have the gospel, the history-making, life-changing good news of Jesus Christ is the Father who loves us. He will correct us when it's necessary. Don't you think for one second He won't? He has an amazing hand that can, can provide and, a, and an amazing rod and a staff that sometimes don't feel like they're comforting me. But His whole goal is to be able to teach me to conform me to the image of His Son so that I'm willing to walk alongside Jesus, not to run ahead of Him, not to lag behind Him, but to get my step in line with His. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing this? Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping me this morning. The call is to follow Jesus. It's not to get what Jesus can give you. It's not just the fact that even as Abby saying, you are my healer. It's not to seek healing. Let me tell you, if you know the healer, healing comes along with it. It's not just to have a blessed life in terms of having a checkbook that's in the black and a healed body and a great relationship and a wonderful family. It's not just, those are benefits, but the whole point is Jesus is the middle of all of that. Jesus is all of that and then some. Come on, son. And we don't seek that. We don't seek the stuff. We seek Jesus. We walk with Jesus. And when we do, He is the answer to every one of those problems, every one of those circumstances. He will not let us make Him the means to our end. He is the end. Look at this. The opportunity of a lifetime must be grasped in the lifetime of the opportunity. I believe that there are some of you that you sense the call of Jesus reaching out to you in your life and causing you to gear up some faith and trust Him for some big things. Our miracle offering next Sunday, we don't usually call it that, that's in November, but this every fifth Sunday this year, we're, we're, we're believing God for crazy things. We're asking God, if I told you a number that I'm praying for, it would just go, really? Are you serious? I mean, I'm talking crazy stuff that's going to be coming beyond what's in this congregation for God to get the attention of some deep pockets out there so that we can get on that land and break ground and be in a building and have the testimony of it. We can say, look what the Lord has done. 
I want you to, I want to, want you to raise your faith. I want you to pray. One of my resolves this year is pray and give. And just get up in the middle of some crazy faith that's growing and trusting in God for amazing things. Somebody say amen. amen. I want to grab Peter's story here. The opportunity of a lifetime must be grasped in the lifetime of the opportunity. When Jesus calls a man or a woman, I believe there's a window there for us to be able to step into that to see some life-changing things take place. Let's look at Peter's story. Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 43. This is the backstory of the Gospel of Mark. Mark 1 is the historical account of the contents of Peter's sermon that he preaches right here in Acts chapter 10. He's in Joppa. He went south and he's on top of a house praying. I've been to that very house and on that rooftop in Joppa when I went to Israel. And it's an amazing view over, over the Sea of Galilee. Beautiful. Just uh, what's there? I'm sorry, over the Mediterranean Sea because it's out looking out. Um, Peter's up there on the roof and he falls into a trance when he's praying and God shows him a blanket that's knitted to four corners and an angel of God's letting it down and it has all kinds of what the Bible, what the Old Testament Hebrew law refers to as unclean animals that Jews were not supposed to eat. And so it's filled with all these creeping, crawling things. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus even loves creeps. <laughs> Jesus looks at Peter, or the, the word of the Lord comes to Peter out of heaven and says, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, Not so, Lord. He says, no, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter says, oh, no, no, I can't do that. I'm, I'm, I'm a faithful Jew. The, your, your word that you gave says I'm not supposed to eat that stuff. And so God speaks to Peter and he says this, Peter, don't call common and unclean what I have cleansed. Which that right there completely fulfilled all of the, the dietary laws, uh, the ceremonial laws of the Jews, saying that, that all this, you, you know, hey, thank God we can go eat the ham now. Hallelujah. <laughs> we can have some catfish. Hallelujah. Well, that, that, was, that, that was the change, okay? And so it wasn't about food. But all of a sudden there's a knock at the door and Cornelius, who is of the Italian band, the Bible says, sends for Peter, the apostle, and Peter has been told a word from the Lord that says, there's some folks that are coming after you, a whole entourage, and when they show up, I want you to go with them because I want to show you some amazing things that I'm going to do among these people. So Peter obeys, and he goes down with them, and they show up at the house of Cornelius where a whole bunch of Gentiles are. Now, Jews don't hang out with Gentiles. As a matter of fact, they refer to them as dogs. And faithful Jews don't associate with any other nations. Now, that doesn't mean like the United States and Canada or Britain, but it's nationalities as in ethnicities. You're not, you wouldn't see among the Jews pre-day of Pentecost a congregation like this where you see red and yellow, black and white. Because Peter was of that old mindset. And guess what? God's about to do something new. And when God does something new, sometimes it upsets our old ideas. Come on, help me somebody. And so Peter's seeing this vision. He's in a trance. And the Lord says... Don't you call unclean the things that I've cleansed. So he goes home to the house of Cornelius and he stands up and he witnesses the working of the Holy Spirit and he starts to preach. And this will line up right with Mark 1, what you've seen. He says, so Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. King James says, God is no respecter of persons. 
But in every nation, everybody say every nation. In every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. Verse 36. As for the word that He sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace. That's the gospel right there, the gospel of peace. Preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the, the baptism that John proclaimed. That's everything we talked about last week. Okay? Here comes John saying, prepare you the way of the Lord. He's coming up out of the wilderness wearing a leather robe, uh, you know, leather uh, big belt around a, a big skin kind of an outfit he's got on, eating locusts and wild honey. He's preaching, repent, repent. He's baptizing them. And this is what he says. You know what happened? It says, uh, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. Verse 38, here we are. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, we're going to come back to verse 38 and really just sort of unpack it. But let's keep reading for the text context. Verse 39. And we are witnesses of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Verse 42. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one. Everybody say the one. The one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Verse 43, last verse. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name. Now that is an amazing proclamation of the Gospel that Peter stands up and preaches among a whole bunch of Italians, among the house of Cornelius. And the Bible says while Peter was preaching, the Holy Ghost fell on those people and they started speaking in other tongues. And they began to take them to the water to be baptized in obedience to the commandment. Repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That that is a promise that is to us and to all that are far off and to whom as many as the Lord our God shall call. Peter is preaching this, and this is the account in the Gospel of, in, the, in, the, in the Book of Acts. And he's telling the story later to John Mark, and John Mark writes it down. And we see these things literally being unfolded in the Gospel of Mark. And what I want you to do is go back if you would put up. Uh, Acts chapter 10 verse 38 because I want to take just a couple of minutes here. Read this out loud with me. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with Him. Wow. Now, I just want to take a couple of minutes and do a, just a little bit of a Greek study here. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. The Greek word anointed there is the word creo. Creo, you see the word Christos. It's the idea of the, the equipping of the one who is about to step into this very, very important title. That he is the one. There it is in the Greek. Creo. He is the anointed one. Jesus is the Messiah. We get the Greek word Christ. That's actually English. That comes from Christos. So what this is saying is that you guys saw how it happened, how God anointed, He poured out the Holy Spirit on Him with the Holy Spirit and power. Creo. He is the one. He is the one that God called. He has given Him everything that goes along with administrating that office. He is the Messiah. He is the Christos. 
He is Jesus the Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is a title. It's an office. Jesus the anointed. That's what you're saying when you say Christ. He is God's Messiah. So he was anointed by God. And the scripture goes on to say he anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. Everybody say power. power. Greek word dynamis. You see that right there. Uh, if you could see it in English, it would look very close to the word dynamite. Or, which is like a big bang explosion, or a dynamo, which is the machine or a source of power that continually produces power. So what I want you to see is Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with dunamis, the power of God, to carry out the responsibilities of that office. He, he had empowerment upon him, Holy Spirit and power. The gospel is not just a teaching. The gospel comes with a demonstration. The power of God. The acts of God. This is the exact same word when the Bible talks about empowering you as a believer with the gifts and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So this morning when we sang the song, the same power that conquered the grave lives in you. The same power, that the same love that covers the earth lives on the inside of you. This is not a little bit lesser version. You don't have a junior Holy Ghost on the inside of you. The same Holy Ghost and power that anointed Jesus is also resident in your life. Some of you just aren't aware that it's there. You, you, you've got this amazing power pack that is a part of this thing that you need to tap into and understand its function. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good. I love it. Everybody say doing good. Doing good. It's It means to bestow benefits. Everybody say benefits. Benefit. How many of you have a good job in the room? Wave, raise your hand. How many of you are thankful for that good job? Wave the other hand. You know what? If you've got some benefits that come with that job, those are just extras. It's just an exciting <laughs> awareness of all the benefits that come with knowing Jesus Christ. There's an amazing benefits package. And too often in the Bible Belt South, we preach the gospel as if it is just a heaven-hell proposition. As if it's only about sin. And you know what, folks? That's just the first thing. There are a host of other things that go along with it. And some of you need to make an appointment with the heavenly HR manager who is the Holy Ghost and sit down and, and see what your whole benefits package is that came with this thing called gospel work. That you've been called to walk alongside Jesus in. Psalm 103 gives us five things. Five in the Bible is the number of grace. It says he forgives our iniquities. He heals our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit. Literally, he, he lifts us up and restores us. And he uh, renews our youth like the eagles. There's five things. Five things. Not just forgiveness of sins. If that's just the first one. Too many times we preach a gospel that has sort of been reduced, kind of a reductionist idea. Jesus came doing good, bestowing benefits, healing. The Greek word means to cure, to heal, to make whole, to free from errors and sins, to bring about one's salvation. Healing in the gospel is not just your sins, but it's a healthy, whole body. Jesus will be your healer. You need physical healing? He can do it. He is big enough. The thing that I want to separate in your thinking, if you've grown up in the Bible Belt South, is the idea that, well, Jesus did that back in the day, but He doesn't do it anymore. I'm convinced that many times we don't see the miraculous 
power demonstration of the gospel because there aren't enough people who have the guts to preach that Jesus will do it. And guess what happens? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You preach Jesus saves, somebody in the congregation hears it, faith arises, and people get saved. You start preaching Jesus heals, guess what? Some sick folks that need the healing of God, faith will arise in their hearts, and Jesus will show up and heal some people. Not just your sins, but your body. Jesus is a healer. Come on, a couple people in the room believe what I'm saying this morning. The gospel has some benefits to it. Hallelujah. He bestows benefits. And guess what? In doing good and healing all of those that are oppressed of the devil. Greek word. I'm going to try this one. I blew, I blew it last service. Kata dunastio. And you can see the Greek word dynasty in it. It's the idea of a ruler, a prince, a Caesar, a dynasty. Something that's handed down from generation to generation. And what this says is, is that because Jesus has come, you do not have to remain under the dynasty of the devil. He cannot rule over your life anymore. Even though he's tried to oppress you, Jesus comes and heals everybody who's oppressed of the devil. He will set you free. Come on, that is the gospel. This Greek word means to exercise harsh control over one or to use one's power against one. And the Bible says healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Diabolos, which literally means slanderer. Diabolos is to hurl through. Balos is like a ball. Greek word is to hurl. Dia is to through. Diabolos, he tries like the serpent in, the, in Genesis chapter 3, slithers up into the garden. Guess what? The enemy, Diabolos, slithers up into your mind and tries to plant a thought. And he's trying to hurl an accusation or a temptation or a deception through your mind and your life. What you have to do is not give a place to that thought, but take out the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and cut the head of the snake off. Cut the head of Diabolos off. Cut the tongue out of the slanderer's mouth. Jesus Christ has come to heal all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. God was with Jesus. The same God who's with Jesus is with you this morning. That power, that same power, that same anointing, that same Christos is on the inside of you. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. Now, we see this happen. This is Peter's testimony. And we go back to Mark. This last section. Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. And they came, they went into Capernaum. Everybody say, City of Comfort. And that cool Jesus first shows up in ministry in a place called the City of Comfort because he is the comforter. Okay? They went into, this, into Capernaum, City of Comfort, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. So he's bringing about the euangelion. He's sharing what this gospel is. Time is fulfilled. Kingdom is at hand. It's within your grasp, within your reach. Repent and believe in the gospel. And he's teaching. And the Bible says in verse 22, they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. This is not just another book writing, blog writing, street corner preacher. But this is somebody who when he preaches, everything happens to back up what he said. Power demonstrations are taking place. 
And guess what happens? When that starts to happen in your life, there will always be a challenge and there will always be an unclean spirit. There will always be a devil show up. You know the devil can come to church sometimes? Look what happens here. Jesus is in the synagogue. They're preaching. The Bible says immediately, verse 23, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him and saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. Verse 27, and they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. Greek word exousia. Jesus has the executive authority not just to give us some great, wonderful sounding ideas, but he's got the power to back it up. God anointed him with the Holy Spirit, the dunamis, the power. Now remember, the same power that's on him in him is on you and in you. Somebody say amen. amen. This is the word, a new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Very simply, and I'm, I'm closing the message this morning. Jesus Christ has got the goods. He didn't just come to take your place so you'd have a home in heaven. But He's also come to fill your place with His life. Your life with His life. Your life with His anointing, with His power, with His presence. So that the same healer who healed all of those that were oppressed in that day will also do that in your life and through your life for other people. Jesus has got the goods and He's in charge, folks. He taught them as one that had authority, not just as the scribes. I believe that demons are very real. I've seen crazy things over the years pastoring, not just in America, but especially in foreign countries. I would dare to say that probably those that are really truly demon-possessed are incarcerated somewhere. I do not believe that a Christian who's been bought by the blood of Jesus and has the Holy Spirit living inside of him can be possessed by a demon. Because the Bible says, what fellowship hath light with darkness? The Holy Spirit is not going to stay in the same temple that a demon's living in because the demon lives in filth. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside a place that before he shows up, he, he cleanses. And then he comes in makes it. He does a whole renovation project inside your heart and life. And he continues to do that renovating. I want to say to you this morning that some of you that are struggling, this is not a matter of being possessed, but there is demonic oppression that's just coming at you from the outside. Just temptation, deception, accusation, very real spiritual warfare. Sometimes just having thoughts and you go, that's not me. Where is that craziness coming from? You don't have to raise your hands, but I know that. I mean, there are times when it's a season when I've called other pastor friends and, and, and even our staff and said, just pray, stand with me. There's just real spiritual warfare going on. And boom, it's just oppressive. And I have to stand in faith and go, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this thing. Because the same power raised Jesus from the dead is in me and I will not be oppressed by the evil one. 
The Bible says in 1 John 3:8, For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy, to abolish, the Greek word means to nullify, to undo the works of the devil. Now, wherever you are, whatever you're facing this morning, what I want to tell you is there's nothing that is so big that Jesus Christ hasn't already conquered at the cross. Because literally the scripture says in Colossians 2, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in the, the, the principalities and powers. He spoiled them, kicked them in the backside, totally knocked them off of their place of power and authority. And the Bible says God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good, bestowing benefits, and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, that were underneath the dynastic control of a stinking lying snake that tempts you and deceives you and accuses you. I'm going to tell you this morning, there is victory. You don't have to let that lying thing in your life hold you captive any longer. I'm talking to some believers in this room. As a grace-based church, as a Jesus-centered church, we live in a tension between two extremes where we throw our arms open and welcome sinners, sinful people. The Apostle Paul says, of which I am chief. At the same time, while we do not allow ourselves to ever become legalistic or pharisaical or hypocritical or judgmental or any of those religious kinds of ideas, I have to tell you that if we really are in touch with this Jesus who is holy, we have to make a war on sin in our lives, in our own hearts. We can't just let things slide and go, well, you know what, I've got to get out of jail free card. Jesus is my Savior. And just go on and just let grace sort of cover us like a big blanket, lumps and all. I don't believe, I believe that's grace, but that's not all grace is. Grace doesn't just cover me on the outside. Grace gets on the inside of me and empowers me. It's dunamis. It's the power of God to overcome a sin. The power of God to walk beyond outside of and to get victory over it and to get delivered out of it. So this morning, I just want to tell you that if if you're a person standing right there at the brink of faith and about ready to cross that line, this gospel is for you. He forgives your sins and your iniquities. But if you're a believer this morning, you know what? You've never heard this, that Jesus still today would actually heal you. You've got a sick body. I want to tell you, reach out in faith. Take That's the gospel. Jesus wants to bestow that benefit in your life. He wants to remove and eradicate any of the work of the evil one in all of our lives. He wants to undo it, abolish it, nullify it. That's the gospel. Healing all that are oppressed of the devil. Are you hearing me this morning? Jesus not only has the, the idea, the teaching that sounds good, but he has the executive authority, the exousia, the power to back this thing up. I want to grow our faith as a congregation because too much of us have grown up in a religious kind of an idea in the South where everybody says, you know, it's just really kind of about heaven. You sort of just tie a knot in the rope and hang on when Jesus comes. Never, never does it really affect anything about this life. No, 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 Jesus, eternal life is not a long time in the future. Eternal life is quality of life, a change of life right now. It changes my, not only my future, but it changes my present. So many people right now sitting under the sound of my voice cannot enjoy the present right now because their lives are so filled with regrets because of bad decisions made in the past or it's literally plagued with the worries about the future about what might happen or what can happen and how bad it could possibly be. And Jesus comes, who's Lord, 
He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He reconciled your past and He's redeemed your present and He's promised to restore your future. And if you come to Christ as a new creation, you live out of a reconciled, from a reconciled past that's covered by the blood. You don't have to live in another regret. No more shame. No more guilt. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I'm trading my guilt and my shame. I'm laying them down. I'm, it's an exchange. I go to the cross and I give God all this junk. And He gives me everything that's the opposite. I have anxiety and He gives me peace. I have rejection and He gives me acceptance. All these things that have messed me up, that have defined my life, every bad decision, every wrong turn, every habit that's defined who I am. Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's what the world's told you who you are your whole life, but I'm telling you, you're a new creation. I'm going to give you a new name. I'm calling you by a new name, the Lord says. Bow your hearts with me right now in this place. In the name of Jesus, thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the power of salvation that's in the gospel. That you do forgive us of our sins. The Lord, you also heal us. You set us free from the oppression of the evil one. The things where the enemy has broken our lives and our hearts and our homes and our relationships. Jesus, you've come to make all things new and set that right. Thank you for the history-making, life-changing good news of the gospel. Every head bowed, every eye closed. It's not going to be a long time. I'm finished. You're in this place today and you've heard some amazing news that's brought some life to you. Because the gospel is a life-giving message. I just want to ask you right now, if you're ready to cross the line of faith and you're going to say, Pastor, you know what? I'm fully aware that I can't do this. I've tried. I've tried the religious advice and I can't live it. But I'm ready to throw all of my trust on Jesus. Let him do it through me and in me. That's all you have to do right there is just say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, save me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you'd like to be included in this prayer, I'm about to pray right now. You're crossing the line of faith and you're saying, Jesus, save me. Would you slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. Anybody else? Yes, I see that hand over there. Yes, thank you. I see that hand. There's a couple of them. Yes, in the back. I see you. Yes, it's about four or five. Join with me in prayer right now, saints. Father, I thank you for the people in this room that you loved so much that you died for. Jesus, right now, you're wrapping your arms. These that are sitting here who've lifted their hands since the drawing the presence of the Holy Ghost. Jesus, we pray that you move and do the work that no man can do. It's not about how good I can preach or how great these singers can sing. Jesus, the power is in your word, in your gospel, and you do what you only you can do. Thank you today that as they repent, they change their mind, they turn from the past, and they turn around and turn to Jesus. Give us, Lord, your new life. You birth us in your kingdom. Thank you, O oh God, that you do a work that only can be described in terms of divine. Born again by the seed of God. Forgive us of our sins. Heal our bodies. Touch us, Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask you for this. Just one brief moment. Believers, this morning you've heard something today that's ignited of faith in you to trust God for a bestowed benefit that you got disconnected from you didn't know it's part of the package. You need healing in your body. You need provision. The gospel speaks to all of those. Anybody in the room, slip your hand up. I want to pray for you. 
Father, thank you for these hands today, right now, in the name of Jesus. We look to you for provision. Heal a broken body. Restore a broken home. Set free a brother and sister from the bondage and habit of sin. In the name of Jesus, thank you that the power of God, the dunamis, same power that conquered the grave is alive inside of us, and you live this thing through us, Jesus, we pray. All of God's people said, Amen. Put your